What's up, Ego Hackers? Welcome to the C.S. Joseph Podcast. I'm your host, C.S. Joseph, and today's question is, what is healthy cognitive projection from a Jungian analytical psychology perspective and also foresight's dynamics? What is healthy cognitive projection? Usually, typically, when I talk about cognitive projection, I'm talking about unhealthy uses of projection, where we look at each of the four sides of our mind, we look at our, our octogram from our temple wheel perspective, and we are projecting those behaviors on other people, and it can be super, super unhealthy. For example, within the context of my relationship with Railgun, she is consistently projecting ISTJ onto me and expecting me to behave, or anyone in her life, to behave like an ISTJ, because an ISTJ is the most likely, out of all the types, to not piss her off and give her what she needs mentally for the sake of her ego, right? It's just normal. Well, here's the thing. I do the same thing to her. I project INTJ. I project my golden pair onto her and hold her to these ridiculous INTJ standards that she herself cannot do as an ESTP. It's me setting her up for failure. So we end up setting each other up for failure within the context of our relationship because of this abusive form of cognitive projection. And while I would like to claim you know, that I, that I do it a lot less than she does, well, guess what? I'm 10 years older than her so naturally I have the skills to be able to do that and me expecting you know someone who's 10 years younger than me to have those skills especially when she's not as well versed in the science and 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 also doesn't have as much practice from a relationship perspective it's kind of an unfair thing so sure I may do it less in practice but it doesn't it doesn't matter at the end of the day the result still ends up being the same you cannot use cognitive projection as a weapon towards other people on a regular basis because at that point it ends up becoming a serious problem over time. A lot of people don't really understand this. You know, the whole idea that you are projecting your golden pair, you know, the person who has the highest uh, compatibility with you onto other people is ridiculous. But the reason it happens is because it's a survival technique. Because here's the thing, human beings are built for relationships, right? And cognitive projection is this thing where you're projecting pieces of yourself onto other people to see if they're if you have camaraderie with them to see if you can learn from them to see if uh, they're compatible with you and you can actually form a sexual relationship with them or even a friendship with them to a point if you're a man basically because female relationships are more based on camaraderie women like to prefer to learn from other women instead of uh, you know being compatible with them Whereas, you know, with men, they're more affiliative about it and they want to have compatible relationships with everyone, including women and men, because they want to reach this higher level of, you know, fulfillment, you know, things that they're missing from their childhood, that kind of a thing. And, you know, from a male perspective with male judgment, it's like, okay, yeah, we already basically know, you know, you know, from a judgment point of view, you know, how to learn and what our learning is based on. But women don't really have that thing and they end up relying on each other to learn and that's why they have high camaraderie. This is why, you know, when women get together, you know, when women get together, they talk, you know, it's like stitch and bitch versus, uh, you know, when men get together, they do and they do things together. It's all about the, what they're doing. It has nothing to do with talk per se. Men don't really talk like women do to each other. Talking and communicating ends up becoming the main mode. Uh, they may be doing something together, but it's ultimately to facilitate talk and learning, uh, you know, from a camaraderie point of view. 
uh, versus with men, it's more of just, you know, broing out with the guys. You know, it ends up becoming this endless male circle jerk, basically. And that's what ends up happening. It's just a circle jerk, you know. So watch out for that. You know, like a lot of people don't, uh, don't understand. But cognitive projection can be like very, um, very, very problematic with people. But again, it's a survival technique to identify, you know, traits in other human beings to see if those, if those are human beings that you want to have relationships with in your life. That's why we do cognitive projection. That is the point behind cognitive projection. But in the context of sexual relationships or even friendships, you could have unrealistic expectations of other people because if you're projecting a certain type or projecting aspects of your own behaviors based on your own type onto other people, then you are setting them up for failure. It's unrealistic. You're having unrealistic expectations. And that can be a huge deal, a very big problem, right? And oftentimes people don't even understand how that can be a serious problem because you're just expecting someone to behave exactly in a certain way. Like for example, my father, um, who had some extremely harsh words for me this last week, he is projecting INFP onto me. He expects me to be this very moral person. He expects me to be this person who just is quiet and takes everything that he says without challenge. Uh, he expects me to be loyal to him, even though he expects me to listen to him and never actually listen to me regardless. But I'm not an INFP. And honestly, like my father loathes that I have TI parent because my TI parent gets in there and I TI parent him. And it just engage, it brings out his expert thinking demon immediately. And then he just extra thinking demons me as a result, which is pretty lame, you know, and I, I try to go out of my way to, to follow, you know, the fifth commandment, honor thy mother and father. Maybe it's the sixth one. I don't remember, but I think it's the fifth one. And, you know, he makes it very difficult because he's projecting this thing, this INFP uh, perspective onto me. And he also, you know, it often makes my effy child feel like he doesn't actually value me because I'm not this person that he was hoping that I would be. And of course, you know, his best friend in life is this guy named Mike. And Mike, he, he's, he's memorized the Bible. He's a very moral person, constantly willing to listen to my dad and ask my dad questions consistently. And, and that's what my dad kind of resents about me is because I don't do the same. I don't behave like this INFP friend of his. Therefore, he has a really hard time, you know, even having a conversation with me or even desiring to spend any time for me or even get my attention whatsoever. Uh, because why would he want that? Why would he want to be with a person who's going to challenge him consistently and never, you know, it, you know, just from an intellectual perspective, we just butt heads this way. He's constantly trying to get me to listen to him. And from his perspective, I'm your father, you will listen to me. But the thing is, is that like my TI parent and TE critic just know that listening to a TI inferior is not always the wisest choice. And there are times in my life where I have listened to my father's TI inferior and it's bit me in the butt every single time. And I wish I didn't listen to him. It's funny because like, for example, he blamed me for making all those choices and going into, you know, university and, and going into and getting my degree when it's the only reason I did it was because he pressured me into it and I was just trying to make my dad happy. But then, you know, the reality of the situation is though, he blamed me for it. He told me, well, that's your choice. And I'm like, yeah, but your expert sensing child kind of forced the issue as he like often would guilt me into doing things I shouldn't have done. And uh, he does that. And then he's like, oh, you only remember the bad times. And I'm like, 
Actually, Dad, I do remember the good times. You know, like my dad took me to uh, the 2010 Winter Olympics. That was an incredible experience, and I'm very, very thankful to have that memory with him, and I'll never forget it. I love that, and I love, I love his, his X-rayed sensing child. But when it comes to decision making, when it comes to him trying to give me advice and advise me, it's ended up blowing up in our face consistently. You know, he doesn't. It's so funny. Like he, he accused me of being this person who is taking advantage of other people. You know, and and being dishonest, and uh, when when the reality of the situation is, is that I remember many times throughout my upbringing that he he encouraged that kind of behavior, and you know I had to like unlearn that because like in my early twenties I was basically like a shyster to a point, and it was because of those 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 teachings that my father gave me, and I'm not calling my dad a shyster. He's just projecting NFP on me, and he's giving me advice that you would give to an NFP basically trying to keep me in the shadows, keep me behind the scenes, work in the crowd and trying to see what I can get out of it because he's assuming that I'm interest-based like he is, whereas actually I'm systematic. I'm all about trying to find the best way to do something, not necessarily the thing that benefits me the most or benefits others the most, which is an interest-based point of view. So as a result of that, his TE demon has no choice but to label me basically this stupid person because I lack moral fiber. And he just doesn't accept that because from his perspective, he thinks that it's like, okay, hey, you know, you're my son, you're my child. It's my responsibility to make sure you have moral fiber, but I have this FI trickster and he was never able to install any form of moral fiber in me because no one would have, but he doesn't accept that that's how life is. He doesn't accept the psychology from that perspective. He knows it has merit. He knows it has value. He knows it's true, but the difference is, is that it's so beyond him that he refuses to use it. So then he's just left with this very unhealthy cognitive projection. You know, and going back to my relationship with the railgun, her and I have basically have had to become super aware of how we utilize cognitive projection in an unhealthy way towards each other. And she'll even cognitive project, you know, ISTJ onto her INTJ son. Like for example, um, like trying to feed our INTJ son Sometimes she'll get frustrated that he won't eat what he gives her, what she gives him. And, you know, she's treating him like a little SI hero. It's like, hey, I made you food, you eat it, because that's the experience that I chose to give you with my SE hero. But his NI hero is like, yeah, no, that's not what I want. I'm not going to eat it. So then all of a sudden our INTJ two-year-old is like saying like, yeah, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. So he constantly refuses food that she gives him and she gets so frustrated. And then it's like, oh, you're being ungrateful if your child activates and you're being ungrateful, you know, in a negative way because, you know, the ESTP struggles with, you know, they go out of their way to give somebody a performance no one asked for. And that's how she's giving a performance, performance such as cooking food for our son that he didn't ask for. The problem is he can't exactly communicate with his mother what he wants basically. And because of that, she gets, ends up getting frustrated because he's not, he can't tell her what she wants because he's not exactly talking, you know, and able to converse with her and express what it is he actually wants. So she ends up getting frustrated as a result of projecting, naturally projecting ISTJ onto our INTJ son. It happens all the time, right? You know, sometimes, you know, she projects that onto me and expecting me to be more affiliative than I am. And being that I'm an UDUF ENTP, that gets even worse because from a UDUF ENTP standpoint, I'm actually a triple pragmatic ENTP because I've mostly abandoned my ISFJ. I can only be in my ISFJ mode when I'm stimmed, such as after I've smoked a cigar or after I have um, basically um, 
uh, you know, uh, had caffeine, you know, when I'm stimmed and being on stimulants puts you into your subconscious, which, you know, can be <laughs> super frustrating uh, to a point because then, you know, when you're in the, con- in the context of a, of a sexual relationship, it's like, oh, this person doesn't accept me for me, you know, because they're using cognitive projection, you know, on, on me, etc. But then you yourself are also projecting onto them and then they start feeling like, you know, you don't accept them for them either. So it ends up creating this downward spiral. And this is how cognitive projection can be a serious, serious problem. So how do you solve it? This is something that we're going to be talking about extensively in the upcoming Ego Hacking Your Fear course. It's being filmed right now. And uh, we're, we're going to be teaching people how to ego hack themselves. It's the first time where we're going to be teaching self social engineering which is going to be amazing. And you folks are going to definitely want this course when it comes out in a couple of weeks. It's going to be excellent. Make sure you're there for it because we're going to be doing our pre-launch uh, for it, which means you'll be able to pre-order it and get it at pre-order pricing, which usually is half off, basically, pre-order pricing. So you're going to want to get it. And then once, that, once, the, once it's out and publicly available, well, you're never going to be able to get it at that price ever again, even if we run sales on it those sales will never be that low. So it's going to be your only opportunity to actually get it. Make yourselves aware of that. Ego Hacking Your Fear, which is basically our first course on teaching how to ego hack yourself. It will be featuring John Bodine. He's done a great job so far in the course. I'm very, very proud to have his direct involvement with it. And we're gonna be teaching people how to turn your fear into aspiration and how you can ego hack yourself for a much better result uh, in your life. You might want to make sure you guys are available uh, uh, to uh, have that course. And also, it's Masterclass. And it's Masterclass will also be going into even deeper concepts like we had in the Masterclass for Ego Hacking by Text, which was a huge resounding success. Dang, that's good. My favorite. One of my favorites. Laranya Escuro. Highly recommend it. Very, very much highly, highly recommend it. No, I'm not being paid to say this. Um, Maybe I should be. (laughs) It's not a paid promotion, I promise. I just, uh, I love certain cigars. I love a lot of cigars. Um, To date, though, it's the uh, Laranya Azulejo. Love it. Love the Laranya Azulejo. Or the Reserva. Oh, Reserva. Oh, muy bien. So, how do you deal with unhealthy cognitive projection? How do you turn it into healthy cognitive projection? Really comes down to one thing and one thing only. That is the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But what does that mean exactly? You know, most people think the golden rule is treat other people as you would have them treat you, right? That's actually false. That is a very simplistic way of seeing it. It's wrong. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Other people have one of the 16 types. Other people have different octograms, right? So there's different variants and subvariants of each of the 16 types. For a total, and I've said 128 combinations, but we found out recently it's 512 combinations, which means, you know, at a minimum, I have to give Dave Powers credit 
uh, for the objective personality system, who is a fellow uh, pioneer in Jungian analytical psychology. I have great respect for the guy. He probably doesn't like me very much, but I do like him. I really enjoy Dave Powers, um, I, and I, I've always enjoyed his work, especially when he talks about cognitive looping or what he calls jumping, which is cognitive looping, jumpers, and then also you know subvariants of, of the types, et cetera, with what he calls subtypes. I think, I think his work is incredible. It's really incredible. We may disagree on certain fundamentals, but that's okay. Still like the guy, and he still made some huge strides within the science there. So, you know, uh, for those of you out there who think that I have a problem with him, I don't have a problem with him. I think he's great. I think he's really great. Maybe one day we'd collaborate. Who knows? Who knows? I'm open to it. You know, that's like, so funny. The other, the other uh, MBTI YouTubers hate my guts and, you know, I mostly, they don't really want to have anything to do with me and that, that's fine. I don't really have, want to have much to do with them, but unless they are like, hey, yeah, actually, Mr. C.S. Joseph, I'd like you on, on my show or whatever. I'm like, sure, you know, I'm, I'm down for collaborations if they want to, but they typically don't want to. And because they don't want to, it's like, okay, well, if you don't want to, then I don't want to either. So it is what it is, you know. But Dave Powers, I like Dave. I really like Dave. Yeah, again, we disagree on certain things, but for the most part, he's done really, really well for getting people started, you know, in the process of understanding just how deep Jungian analytical psychology actually goes. So I have to give credit where it's due. So yeah. But the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Therefore, it is every human being's responsibility to actually type themselves and type other people accurately. So you can avoid cognitive projection, the negativity of cognitive projection, and do positive cognitive projection. Positive cognitive projection is you see exactly what type they are, and you treat them for the type they are, and you accept them as who they are for their type. You have that level of acceptance for them. That is what you should be doing, right? And if you're not doing that, then you're just going to default to projecting yourself onto them. When as you should be projecting them onto them, right? So like, for example, it is my responsibility to understand that Railgun is an ESTP and I need to be treating her as an ESTP and accepting her as an ESTP within the context of our relationship, right? It is also incumbent and thus her responsibility to be doing the same to me. I'm an ENTP. She, as, uh, she, she needs to be treating me and accepting me as an ENTP and uh, going out of her way you know, to understand you know, what me as an ENTP, as a UDUF ENTP is, and basically bring me the things that I need and maybe some of the things that I want. And then also with her being an SDUF ESTP, I should be doing the same for her as well. That is healthy cognitive projection, where you are projecting them onto them, but you have to know what they are first in order to project that onto them properly. This is why you guys should be using the UCHA tool, udja.app, ucha.app. Go check it out. It is our personality test. If you make an account on it, you get access to the type grid. You also get to keep track of the people that you have typed throughout your life and organize them. It also tells you how compatible you are with them, etc. Obviously, we're upgrading the tool. Uh, we're probably going to be doing a, a Kickstarter-like campaign in the near future uh, to uh, help uh, fund the development of Ucha to make it even better. We're also about 
to release a new version of Ucha, which has an upgraded question four, uh, upgraded question four, basically, uh, within, uh, you know, the, the discover your persona piece or the, the type yourself just by answering four questions, et cetera. Plus, we're going to be having Octogram added for questions five and six for uh, people who participate in our Kickstarter-like uh, campaign, basically, to gain those benefits, to have better access to uh, Ucha and, and, its, and its feature sets. But ultimately, these changes that we're making are going to further increase accuracy even more. So because of recent discoveries that we had relating to cognitive origin and the science, there's really going to be a great opportunity for all of us uh, to uh, be able to type ourselves and type each other appropriately. But yeah, that's the bottom line. Know what a person's type is and learn how to have a relationship with that type. You know, if they are, if they're extroverted sensing inferior, make sure you're sharing with them consistently, right? If they're introverted feeling inferior, make sure that you're helping them value themselves and feel worthy and empower them, okay? It's, it's, it's very simple. So obviously you have to study season 21, which is the social engineering um, season or the ego hacking season, the first one. Maybe actually learn Ego Hacking by Text, which is our course, available at egohackingbytext.com or csjoseph.life forward slash portal. You can see Ego Hacking by Text, the course right there. You can get the course there as well. But I mean, hey, you know, unless you're like, uh, gosh, what is that guy? I always, I always forget him, who it is. Forget, I always forget his name. It's this INFJ on YouTube who like hates my guts and says that I'm evil because I'm teaching people how to manipulate each other. I'm sorry, but all social interaction is a manipulation. All social interaction is manipulation. But literally, it just comes down to the golden rule. If you don't know how to social engineer someone in a positive way, if you don't know how to ego hack them in a positive way, how are you ever going to have a really good relationship with them? How are you going to have a really good friendship with them? How, how, is it even, how is it even possible? It's not possible. You're just going to, by default, as a result of your own personal ignorance, project yourself onto them, which is going to set them up for failure. And ultimately, you would only be able to have relationships with the people that have high compatibility with you or high camaraderie with you. You can't do that. The whole world opens up to you if you can learn how to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You are XYZ type. You want other people to treat you and accept you for what type you actually are. You need to take responsibility and do the same for other people. And in fact, because you're the one who actually knows about four size dynamics, because you're the one that knows you're in analytical psychology, because you know what the type grid is, you have a higher responsibility. I don't care if you're a man or a woman, you need to lead in this area in your life. You need to take that responsibility because everyone out there is responsible for what they know. And if you actually know this science, it's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to interface with those people. And if you're not gonna do that, what the hell is your problem? Like seriously. You're just going to keep doing this negative, abusive uh, cognitive projection when you should be projecting these people onto themselves and treating them as they are so that they can treat you that way. I'm an ENTP. I'm automatically intimidating. I'm automatically cringe. I'm automatically a scary person by default. I just am. And because of that, you know, it'd be really nice if people would know that I'm an ENTP, be okay with me being an ENTP, and treat me like an ENTP, and accept me as an ENTP, because I already do that for everyone else. I do that for everyone else because I'm hoping that they would do the same for me. That's proper cognitive projection, okay? But all of us are so ignorant that we continue to cause these problems, and it's so gross, and it's so ridiculous, and it's so stupid.
Why? Why is that okay? Well, the reality of the situation is it's not okay. It's really not okay. So make sure that you're not among the ignorant people out there as members of the ego hacker community or the C.S. Joseph community, whatever. If you're an ego hacker, it's your responsibility. Ego hack people for their benefit. Show them how they can ego hack you for your benefit. This is the law of reciprocity, right? Law of reciprocity. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But no one is going to reciprocate with you as an ego hacker unless you yourself are doing this, right? This helps solve the problem of fatherlessness, keeps relationships together, which I just absolutely refuse to be a part of. You know, yeah, sometimes my relationship with Railgun can be really, really hard. I ain't giving up on her. I love her and I value her that much. I'm not going to put our son through that hell. There's no way. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. You know, they're my family. And that's it. I made that choice. And I'm responsible for that choice. And I need to treat her like an ESTP in as much as she needs to learn how to treat me like an ENTP. That's just the reality of the situation. Same thing with my dad. He's an ENFJ. I treat him like an ENFJ. He needs to learn how to treat me as an ENTP, even though he has basically has demonstrated and proven to me that he has no desire to do so. But I'm not going to stop trying. Does that mean I have Stockholm Syndrome? That means I'm a glutton for punishment? Maybe. But I do know in my heart that I'm doing the right thing by cognitive projection in a healthy way instead of an unhealthy way, you know? And I just need to be more realistic about it. And that's how we get, realis we, we get realistic about it. It just bothers me. It just bothers me that no one understands this. It's entirely ridiculous to me as to how many people are ignorant about the golden rule, the true meaning of the golden rule. And this is the true meaning of the golden rule. But for some reason, most people, especially ego hackers, are ignorant of this responsibility. And it is by following this responsibility to the letter that we will solve the problem of fatherlessness, that we will bring back the mature masculine, that we will bring back the mature feminine, okay? That's the entire point. And this is how we do it collectively as ego hackers within the context of this community. Speaking of which, if you want to get involved in the community, go to discord.gg forward slash ego hackers and join our Discord server. Make sure your DMs are turned on so you can get a DM from our bot, Alt Identifier. And yeah, it just, it'll tell you that you have a suspicious account. That's, that's crap. It's just what it automatically says. And it's kind of annoying that it says that. And so many FJs, especially ENFJs, get pissed off when they're told, oh, your account is suspicious, even though they just made their account like 30 seconds prior. No, it's not suspicious. It just treats everyone like they're a suspicious account, which is stupid. I hate it. But just verify it with your Gmail account. And then once you're there, accept the, the, the code of conduct on the Ego Hacker server so you can receive your roles. And then, boom, you're in. You're on the server. Then you can join the special interest groups. You can engage in typing and other people are learning more about typing, learning more about Octogram. Uh, so, yeah, it's a very fun community, and you all should definitely get, get involved. And that's discord.gg forward slash ego hackers. Anyway, folks, again, cognitive projection, you know, needs to not be used as a weapon. And it usually is used as a weapon, or at least people take it as it, it is being used as a weapon because people are using in ignorance. You need to be using cognitive projection properly. Understand what people's types are. Project those types onto them. Okay? It's not that hard. It is really not that hard. Because if you're not going out of your way to understand other people, how are they going to understand you? Because you as an ego hacker still can at least explain the science to them. 
you can actually help them understand you because you are showing them that you understand them. That is priceless. Some of the best connections, some of the best relationships, some of the best people that I've met in my life came as a result of following my ego hacker duty and telling people that this is a thing, that this exists, and I show them already that I understand them and then I accept them. And then they learn how to do so for me and it's been an amazing experience. And as a result, I've ended up having the best relationships in my life. And my life is better for it every single day because of that, of that perspective and because of that point, because of the law of reciprocity, because of the golden rule, guiding my cognitive projection, because I'm able to do unto others as, they would, as I would have them do unto me. That's the point, folks. Anyway, thanks for watching, and I'll see you guys in the next episode.